Good morning. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Can you stand up and let's just give the Lord a hand and welcome him into his house this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. We trust you've had a great week. It's good to see some faces that we haven't seen for a while. Amen. Let's just give each other a hand for being here. Amen. Hallelujah.
God, when we think about what our world is going through at this moment, at this time, Lord, we're reminded of your beautiful scriptures in the living, infallible Word of God. That you're coming soon. You said, those that look for me, I will appear. What a glorious day that is going to be. When all, the, when all of the sickness and all of the disease and all of the difficulty and all of the troubles and all the trials and all of the fear and all of the um, um, trouble in our life will be gone on that glorious day. Oh, we're reminded of our Easter season after this song, Father, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're reminded of that glorious day that you came out of that tomb. We're reminded that you came out with victory and you conquered death, hell, and the grave. So there's nothing now. Though we may be looking for that glorious day, there is nothing now in our life that we cannot face because of that glorious resurrection. And here we stand this morning in the midst of trouble, midst of difficulty in our land, our country, our world. We stop for a few minutes to worship you because you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Bible says it, Lord, for us not to fear. Psalms chapter 91. Not to fear the pestilent because you said you will overshadow us if we will stay under your wings. You will bring protection. That's the promise of God. So God, we stand here this morning justified and cleansed only through the righteousness of Christ and the blood of the Lamb. Father, we feel your presence this morning. We feel your presence this morning. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Turn around and wave at your neighbor and tell them you love them and all of that good stuff. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor John, if you'll make, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask Pastor uh, John to come, in, uh, to come and pray. Let's still remember, uh, Tina will say a little more about it. We, uh, the firefighters here in Stanton, we were able to give them uh, the Christmas uh, baskets this year. And uh, for our outreach, and Tina will say a little more about that. Let's remember them. Let's remember our uh, police department. Remember our rescue workers. And let's remember our schools. Amen. Remember our teachers, our principals, all of them having to make decisions. And let's, let's remember our children in prayer. You know, the enemy comes in and, and tries, to, um, tries to come in and bring fear in all of our lives, but also tries to bring fear to our, uh, to our children's lives. So um, I, wanna, I want you to give a hand to one of the greatest children, well, the greatest children's pastor 
that I think we can have. Amen. Let's give him as he comes and give the Lord in prayer. Uh, I'm so glad for my life that you know God's still in the healing business. Yeah. Uh, you know, he can uh, still heal everybody that's uh, struggling. Let's pray. Do God is uh, thank you, God, for for being here this morning, God. God, I pray for the for the ones that are here right now, God, Lord, uh, that need healing in their body right now. God, I pray that you would just touch their bodies and um, in their minds. Uh, fear may be going into their mind. God, I pray that you just you just touch their minds right now, God, as they're uh, dealing with these health issues right now, God, and maybe depression, and it's whatever they're going through. God, I pray for all these uh, prayer requests, God. And I pray that you would just uh, come down and touch them right where they're at, God, and whether they're in the hospital, whether they're at home, God. God, just like the woman with the issue of blood, God, you touched her, God. And if you could touch her, God, you could touch these prayer requests and touch everybody that is uh, that is struggling with with um, with uh, physical and even God mentally, God, in their in their um, in their mind right now, God. I pray, so I pray that you would just come down, God, and just and just touch them right now, God. Put your healing hand on yes, them, God. Lord. We believe right now as we're praying together, God, Lord, uh, you hear us, God. We know that you hear us, God. So I pray that you would just just, just touch their, their minds and their bodies right now, God. God, I pray that you would just uh, uh, not let them give up on hope, even when it may not look good right now, God. God, I pray that you would just give them hope and peace and comfort, God, during these trying times, God. And we uh, thank you in advance for touching everybody's body, God, that, that needs healing, even the ones that... that that didn't uh, put a prayer request in, even the unspoken prayer request, God. God, I pray that you would just touch them right now, God. We thank you in advance for healing and touching everybody's lives. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. We do an outreach uh, each year, Christmas outreach each year uh, from here at the church. I'd like to thank, personally thank everybody. Uh, that gave into our Christmas outreach this year. We had more than enough money uh, to take care of that. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor John and Tina, they're going to come and uh, talk a little bit more, talk a little bit more about Amen. That. We have a uh, little video for you that we're going to show. The Christmas blessing was to our uh, the firemen this year, and uh, we just appreciate everybody that gave into that, as Pastor Kevin said. It was a great blessing, and it was awesome to be able to take it down there to them. There weren't a lot, uh, they don't have a lot on duty at one time, but they were going to distribute it around to the two different stations in Stanton, and uh, at first, I, I don't think they really uh, knew what was going on when we got there and we showed up. Somebody didn't relay the message that we were coming, so they, we said we were bringing things, and the guy was like, okay. Huh? So uh, he said, well, I'll help you carry it in. I guess he thought it was one little box of something. But as you'll see in the video, we had uh, 36 of the uh, big baskets to give to all of the employees with the movies and the snacks and everything and chips and all of that good stuff. So he said, I think I need to get some more help. So he went and got some more. We're going to show you a little video here in just a minute. But before we do, Pastor John um, has uh, the Lord blessed and allowed the children's ministry to be able to do something he wasn't expecting to do. So I'm going to let him just say a couple words about that, and then we'll show the video. I wanted to do a uh, – this year has been crazy, crazy year, hasn't it? Yeah. I think it has been crazy. And uh, it's been one – we haven't had children's church since March, and it's just, just killing me, you know. And uh, even though we're supposed to be socially distanced, and thank God that we can still call people. So I've been able to just continue to call the families and just have prayer with them and, you know, see how they're doing to kind of keep in touch with them. Um, the Lord laid it on my heart to – I want to do some kind of Christmas dinner. 
uh, for them. We usually try to cook something, but obviously we can't this year because of all this mess going on. And uh, so I reached out to a, uh, to a business, and uh, they were able to supply enough food to give a ham and a Christmas box. They give $500 cash for me to be able to go in and give out. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, give God the glory. That's all. I mean, it's just amazing. And I was able to get about 25, um, we were touched 25 families. And that's what uh, we've been doing for our children's ministry. And we were able to give out 25 dinner boxes with ham and just a full course meal. And uh, I know this touched the kids' lives, it touched my lives. And it's just, um, just continue to pray that they would not only just see the boxes, but they would feel God's love during that time when they open it up and be able to have Christmas together as a family. Uh, even though when they're you know, not able to do anything normal, maybe that'll be you know, some kind of normalcy. And I pray that they would just see that as, uh, as God's love and God's hope, uh, that, um, that there's still hope in their lives, uh, even when everything around them may be crashing down. So thank you very much. Hallelujah. I'd like to thank everyone for giving into our, once again, our Christmas outreach. And uh, I want us to stand. I want to pray over your finances this morning. And uh, let's all stand, if we will. And we're going to, if, uh, honey, you'll come and play just a, just a minute. How many of you know that God is still in the um, uh, working financial business? And even though the world looks crazy right now, God said he's going to take care of us. I don't, I don't care if you're little, old, in between. Uh, Pastor Steve God said that if you'll give, he didn't say, Brother Kevin, if you give um, when everything's going good, if you give every now and then. He said, if you'll give, if you'll pay your tithes and give in offerings, God will, what did he say, open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing right in the middle of the pandemic. God didn't say if it wasn't a pandemic, then I'll bless you. 
He says, if you'll be obedient right in the middle of it, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to bless you. Uh, how many of you would say to me that God has taken care of you in 2020? How many would say that you were able to pay all your bills? Amen. And how many of you would say that you're looking for God to do greater things in 221? Amen. And God's going to take care of us, and God is taking care of us. Personally, as a pastor, and I want to talk to the, the camera too, I'd like to thank you during this year that you gave like you've gave. And I want to thank you for continually, if you're not able to come or choose at this moment not to come, that I want to thank you for giving into God's kingdom, that God's work will continually move forward. We need God's work to move forward during this time. There's a lot of hurting and suffering people, and this is not a preacher thing, but you can't get nothing done without money going to reach out to people. Amen. So thank you very much for giving. The Bible talks about Abraham blessing Israel. And so this morning, I want to ask God to bless you over your finances. Okay? Let's bow our head in prayer. Father, I thank you that you promised in your word that you would bless us when we're just obedient to the word of God financially. You said give and tithe and you said, and in offerings. Our tithes is already set aside for you because it don't belong to us. It's not ours. So if we keep our tithes, we're actually robbing God, Malachi said. And our offerings is a love offering to you and beyond. As you've asked us to give. God, thank you for the people here and the one watching by video. That is, listen and obey that commandment. So God, this morning I stand here, <coughs> excuse me, and I ask you to not only bless them, God, but bless them indeed. I'm asking you to open doors financially for them that's never been opened before. I'm asking financial gifts to come into their home that they never thought or dreamed of. God, you don't care how much we got. You don't care uh, how wealthy we are if we'll just honor you. So, Father, I'm asking you to bless this congregation, the ones watching by video this morning, indeed, financially. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to speak just for uh, a, few a few minutes. Uh, on the life of hope, having having hope. Uh, I think they just threw a uh, picture up on screen, and we want to give the people that were responsible a hand. This is a, a, a showing over at the park where the, all the lights are and everything uh, that our church put up over there. Let's give the Lord a hand. Yeah, <laughs> I think it turned out good, don't you? I think I think it looks really. So I want to thank everybody that was involved. That was a lot of work, but uh, the cross is our only hope, right? The cross is our only, our only uh, hope. I want to talk about 
hopelessness, a life of hope. Uh, I'd like to thank Pastor Steve. Didn't he do a great job last week? Let's thank, amen. Amen. I appreciate him so much, and thank you, Pastor, for filling in uh, for me. What does it mean to feel hopeless? What does that mean? What does it mean to feel hopeless? Uh, I believe it feels like being scared. Um, you're going through a situation, you feel like you're maybe being forgotten by God. Before I go any further, I believe everybody could raise their hands here that you've had a time in your life that you've absolutely felt hopeless about the situation that is facing you. Can we raise our, can we raise our hands? Amen. You feel, I believe you feel forgotten by God, overwhelmed. You feel like you're walking in despair, maybe abandoned by God, feeling afraid, lost, uh, feeling uh, hopeless down inside, uh, a heart that is in uh, despair. One person quoted in saying, it's often difficult for those who have never experienced what true depression is to imagine a life of complete hopelessness, emptiness, and fear and despair. I, I don't think that there is a worse feeling that you and I could feel than the feeling of having hopelessness down inside our heart. A lack of hope, feeling hopeless. I give you this testimony this morning, and I have, I think, told pieces of it. But as I was working on the sermon this week, Pastor Steve, I felt like the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, give another piece of your testimony. I often say that when I give a personal testimony, that many, many people have gone through a whole, whole lot more than I have ever went through. And I believe you can say that at times about your life. So I only give this testimony of not, we don't give testimonies of, for people to feel sorry for us. We give testimonies to give glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that has brought us through. How many of you God has brought you through? This morning, God has brought you through. Four years ago, my daughter was about 11 years old. Four years ago, I believe it was the Sunday that it was uh, Christmas Sunday, I believe. Three or four, yeah. Uh, I walked to this pulpit, and... Um, I was having a hard time getting up here, but I was determined that I was going to preach. To find myself uh, at the hospital, to find myself Monday morning, the doctor telling me, hey, son, you have a tumor. To find him looking me in the face after the x-ray and saying that it's cancer. Sister Rosemary, you've been there. Others have been there. I came to the church after that to pray. 
Brother Jerry Greeny, I believe, was either around here or had made his way to the church and came and prayed with me. About 7 or 8 o'clock at night, I'm still here at the church praying. I'm up where the youth class is. And I am absolutely scared to death. If you've ever heard the word cancer, the enemy takes that word and has a heyday with it in your life. Among other things that you hear. I, uh, I felt like somebody had hit me with a baseball bat in my head. I felt lost. I felt scared. I thought God had abandoned me. Amen? What was I... Uh, the thought was going through my mind. Um, do I have days? Do I have months to live? I don't know. I don't know. Um, what am I going to say to my 11-year-old daughter? What am I going to say to my wife for 33 years? What am I going to say to my precious mother? What am I going to say to my crazy brother? What am I going to say to my nutty sister? And all these names I got from my siblings. What am I going to say to the rest of my family? What am I going to say to the church? I was scared to death. And maybe... You're here this morning, and you feel exactly like that because of the circumstance you're facing. And maybe it's not you, but maybe it's your brother, sister, maybe it's uh, maybe one of your children, maybe it's a circumstance that has happened in your life, maybe it's a hurt or a pain brought on by someone else. Your life right now has got a big sign of hopelessness wrote across it instead of hope. It reminds me of Mark chapter 6. Remember Mark chapter 6? Uh, the disciples and Jesus, they're, they're doing ministry. Jesus is healing, uh, walking around healing the sick and Doing, just doing ministry. And Mark chapter 6 tells me that in verse 46 that Jesus sends his disciples into the boat to go across the lake. But we find him going and finding a, a place to pray to his father. And verse 46 says, and after saying goodbye to the people, he went away to a hill to pray. When evening had come, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and while Jesus was alone on land, verse 48, he saw that his disciples were straining at the oars because they were rowing against the wind. So sometime between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning, he came to them walking on the water. He was going to pass them by, but they saw him walking on the water, and they said, it's a ghost, they thought, and they screamed, save us. This story in Mark chapter 6, like a few other stories in the Bible, kind of messes with me because the reason it messes with me because the Master, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Waymaker, the blind healer, the one who's, 
who uh, made the cripple walk again, the great counselor, the one who hung the stars in the sockets and who tells the sun when to shine. He is um, talking to his heavenly father while his disciples are struggling in the boat. Where are you, Jesus? I just left you healing. I just left you casting out devils. I just left you doing miracles. And now you are chit-chatting, having a, having a little talk to you with your heavenly Father while I'm over here in my storm. Jesus decides to have a conversation with his father while his disciples are out there in the middle of the storm. Instead of Jesus showing up at the beginning of the storm, where do we find him? Verse 48 just told us he saw that his disciples were straining at the oars because they were rowing against the wind. It tells me that he was standing he was standing over on the shore as he was talking to his heavenly father watching them struggle watching them fight in despair watching them cry up watching them being hurt filled confused he was standing there watching them the bible tells me they felt hopeless are you here and you feel like that. I know you have felt like that in the situation that you're facing. Which brings me to another story in the Bible that if you think Jesus was late getting to the disciples that were in the boat crossing on the seaside to the other side, if you think he was late then, you ain't seen nothing yet until you go to the story of Mary and in Martha, in John chapter 11. Mary and Martha, they're calling for Jesus to come to where Lazarus is. Because Mary and Martha are feeling hopelessness. They're feeling despair. They are, they are hurt. They are confused. They don't know what's going on because their brother Lazarus the Bible said is sick unto death. What does Jesus do? Now, this is not in the Bible, but this is my thinking of what maybe Jesus done after he got the news, because we're told he was four days late. Jesus gets the news, but Jesus decides to make his way to the local Nazareth grocery store. Decides then to stop by the local ice cream shop. Then on his way home, he stops to heal the blind man. Then he makes his way home to retire for the evening. Then he decides to go to bed. To wake up the next morning to find him at the early local Nazareth coffee house. Getting him a mocha to go. How do I know that? Because I think Jesus likes the same kind of coffee I do. 
Then to walk down the road about a half a mile to hear the woman with the issue of blood to heal her. And then he find him making his way to Galilee to heal a few other folks. Then to find a couple guys to build a fire by the seashore. Then to camp out by the fire for a while and sip on some hot chocolate. Now we're into day two. Then to start this all over again the next day. But the next day starts out with two shots of caffeine in his mocha. Jesus is not four minutes late. He is four days late. Why? Why, Jesus, are you four days late? Mary and Martha is crying. The Bible even talks about when you study Jewish history that the rest of the Jewish friends were around. The Bible says that they were upset. They were crying. They was in despair. They felt hopeless because they knew if Jesus didn't show up, there was no hope. Can I tell you this morning, we've got some things in our life that if Jesus doesn't show up, it's not going to happen. Why didn't you show up, Jesus? Why did you wait till they threw threw the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace before you showed up? Why did you wait when they threw Daniel in the lion's den before you ever showed up? Why, 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 why all of this stuff in my life? Why, God, did I go through this pain? I go through this suffering. I go through this hurt. I go through this hopelessness feeling in my life. God, why? How many of you ever asked why? Why, Jesus, didn't you step in the boat? Why didn't you step up to the graveside? Why, why didn't you end up in the fiery furnace earlier? Why didn't you show up in the lion's den? And I could go on and on. That's a tough question to answer. Because I don't have all the answers. I'm going to give you a few reasons why I think the why. If you've ever went through, uh, if you've ever went through depression before, don't raise your hands. But I think we've all experienced some time in our life, uh, Sister Ruth, low places. I think we've all faced looking at life. Wanting to just throw in the towel and give up? I think we all have hurt deep down inside and don't know what to do. I think we've all looked out the bedroom window to walk over maybe and uh, maybe close the curtains to say, I could care less if the sun comes up today. Why, God? Why am I in this situation? I'm going to give you just a few things that I feel like the reason we go through what we go through. Number one, he's building our faith to completion. Come on. He's building our faith to completion. Through it all, I have learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I have learned to trust in 
God. Philippians chapter 1 says, being confident of this, these began who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, which tells me that all of us have gone through some things and all of us will continually at times go through some things in our life until God works it out, our faith to completion. Somehow God takes All of these scars, all this pain, all this hurt, to build our faith. That's not the way I like it. That's not the way I like it. I, I don't want to go through stuff. How many of you here want to just go through trouble, go through trials, go through difficulty? You don't want to go through that stuff. It's hurt. It hurts. It makes you days long and your nights feel like eternity. But God uses it to build higher faith in Him. Can I tell you um, that I wish to God that I would have never went through what I had to go through three years ago. But can I tell you that there's not a price tag you can put on what God done in my life. I wouldn't give anything. There's not a, there's not a, there's not a dollar sign out there that I would give to say thank you, Lord. But you, you know what it's taught me? I've had to learn to trust in Jesus. I've had to learn to trust in God, Brother Kevin, for everything in my life. I've learned to trust in Jesus. Brother Betty, I've had to learn to trust in God. With all the pain, all the trouble, all the struggle, all the hurt, I've had to learn to trust in God. And second of all, That it makes you and I realize when we go through all that stuff, God brings us to a point in our life that we have to realize that He is our only hope. He is our only hope. I don't care which way you slice the pie when you're done and it's all said and done. Jesus is my only hope. He's my only hope. And that's what Christmas season is all about. The hope of Jesus Christ coming to the world. America, listen. We for some reason still feel like we got it all together. We some reason still think that the United States of America, we can fix our problems. But America, Jesus is our only hope. Racism, we can have all the conferences that we want to have. We can have all the preachers on the platform and have all the discussions that we want to have about racism. And I, I think we should. But racism, Jesus is our only hope. Hatred across our land, Jesus is our only hope. 
Bad marriage, Jesus is our only hope. Alcoholic dad, Jesus is our only hope. Prostitute, Jesus is our only hope. The teenagers that's hurting down inside, Jesus is your only hope. The precious lady that's had an abortion, we love you, but Jesus is your only hope. The mom, the dad that may be fighting cancer or some other type of disease this morning, let me echo loud and clear, Jesus is your only hope. Jesus is our only hope. So why, are, why do we go through some of the things that we go through? I believe... God is learning, teaching us to trust in Him fully to completion, Brother Roy. And then, I think He wants us to come to the point that where Christ, you alone are my only hope. You know, when I was going through that, my wife took extremely good care of me, but she's not a healer. She's not a healer. My family was there night and day. The church was calling and praying. But when it got down to the very nitty-gritty, somebody said, Jesus Christ was and is my only hope. Anymore, anymore. I, th I thought, anymore. He's my only. He's my only. Uh, he's my only hope. Can I tell you this? I want to add this that, as uh, the doctor told me, that you got to take those treatments. They lay me on that bed, and I'll never forget going to that cancer center. Lay me on that bed and saying, "We got to tattoo you." To shoot radiation in you. And I was scared. I don't think a kid could be any more scared than I was. And so help me God. So help me. I was laying on that bed looking up to the ceiling. This has happened to me twice in my life. I got a quick glimpse of Jesus. So help me. I seen the, I seen the face of Jesus just like that and it was gone. What did that do? That put hope back into me. It, it, that me being scared just melted like butter. It was gone instantly. When Jesus shows up in your life, instantly fear, instantly depression, instantly hurt, instantly pain. That hopelessness vanishes when Jesus shows up and he is our only hope. And lastly, I think that when we go through things in our life like that, I think that He wants us to feel the weight of other brothers and sisters and people and family and co-workers that come to you and say, in a couple of days, I've got to go to the doctor again, I felt like I had cancer i got to go to the doctor again. I've, I've got to have a back operation. 
I've got to go to the doctor because of this. I've got to, this is happening in my family with my dad and mom. This is happening over here in my life. This is happening over here in my life. And before, I've talked to Wayne about this before. Up until about four or five years ago, I was healthy as I could be. Hadn't been in the hospital but one time, in and out. But now when somebody says something like that, I can feel it down in my heart, not in my head. So I feel like sometimes the reason that Jesus does not leave the shore to walk on the water to get in the boat with us instantly is number three. He wants you and I to feel the hurt sometimes and the pain and the difficulty of our brothers and sisters and other people that are hurting. Because look at me, it's not about us. It's not all about us. It's not all about me. We've got people all around us that are hurting and that are suffering and that are going through great depression and got so much going on in their family, going on in their body, going on in their finances, going on in their life. And Jesus has called you and I to be the salt of the earth and he has called you and I to reach out and to give people hope. That's our vision, closing here at the church, to do whatever we can, whatever we can to bring hope to the hopeless. That no one, listen, that no one enters the doors of that church or by the steeple of the shadow of this church, in the range of this church, that is feeling hopelessness in their life. That when they walk in here or they meet one of us, they feel the hope of glory. That they feel like no matter what I'm going through in my life, there is hope. That's what we're about. How are we going to spread that hope? That's the vision of this church. A couple of days ago, I've been reading the book on Visionary Leader by Michael Hyatt. And, and I, it says in that book, uh, where no vision is so much to speak, the Bible also says there is, where no vision is, the people perish. We have no vision of where we're going. We're living out of a pandemic. We better get our vision back. We better get our vision of what God has called us to do in the last days. We've got a work to do for the kingdom of God. Let's step up in 220, I mean 221, and let's have a vision like we've never had a vision before to reach out to the hurting and the dying and the hopeless. And that is my desire. Two days ago, I've been in my office. God, what is the vision of Calvary Assembly of God Church? i got to get a fresh vision back. And he said, use your experiences. And out of that, that's the vision for this church. To bring hope every way we can.